you're ready for some word today, go ahead and get out a Bible, if you have one, or Bible app, and, uh, and go to Matthew chapter 6. Woo! Matthew chapter 6, if you've been with us the last couple of months, I've been teaching a series called Kingdom Rules, and I was uh, seeking the Lord as to whether I should continue, and the answer is yes, at least for, at least for one more week. And I already know, I think I know what I'm going to do next week. So that one's really good too. <laughs> but can you bear with one more part? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I tell you, it's powerful. And it's not like I'm going to finish the subject. You can't. I don't, there's too many verses on this. And uh, we'd be here all year, but I, I want to get out what is right and necessary for this time. Uh, Matthew 6 has been our foundation. Verse 33, Jesus said here, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So anyone who's interested in things, food, clothing, shelter, vehicles, we might add now if we were writing this, then you'd be interested in these principles, these rules, if you will. This is a major rule that if you're going to be in the kingdom of God and function as a part of the many blessings that are contained therein, you have to seek it. First, yeah, the Passion Translation reads, so above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. And I like the language, less important. That shows priority, all right? Is your, is your house important? Sure. Is your, is your food important? Sure. Just doesn't even come close to things that are eternal and things that are of God. All right? And if we'll get them in right perspective, now we can thrive. Praise God. Now, uh, for as long as we've been around, meaning the human race, <laughs> people have argued about everything. Right? Uh, everything under the sun, and like I, I want to say sometimes everything above the sun. Remember, Solomon liked to talk about things under the sun. That's on earth. They are, we argue about things under the sun. We we'll argue about things over the sun. <laughs> Eternal matters, heaven, and, and those type of things. Uh, but in our day of increased knowledge and increased access to knowledge, uh, I think some people think it's their calling to argue with others. <laughs> I mean, all, it seems like they get their, their thrills off of contention. They want to stir up uh, disagreement, even if they don't totally disagree, they just want to see what you've got as a response. And they like to poke and prod and stir things up. And I understand that a little bit. If you're, if you're doing it for the purpose of, I want to learn and grow, you can have conversations of that nature. Nevertheless, it's not the skeptic that, that gets results. The people who are closest to God, the people that see the most tangibility of God in their lives are not the ones who argue the most. They're not the ones who are the most skeptical about everything that happens. See, sometimes we can pick apart the letter and miss the spirit of what's being said. And, 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 and that's what we want to avoid, okay? I'm not talking about going in the other ditch and becoming gullible, but at the same time, uh, if something is true, if something is simple, if something is, it's not calling for questioning, except, 
I mean, once you accept the Lord, you start accepting other things that he has said. And it's not the, it, all the people who got, all the people who are currently in the family of God, they've made Jesus their Lord and Savior. The vast majority, if not 99.99999%, didn't study everything out first. They didn't get all their questions answered about everything before they said, okay, you've satisfied me, satisfied my brain with knowledge of all things. No, most of them got a little bit. They got the most important thing. They heard of God's love and Jesus' sacrifice for them. The conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon them and they said, yes, I make Jesus my Lord. And then they learned and grew in their knowledge of God and, and, and eternity after that. But I, my point is, you don't arrive at results by being overly nitpicky with the, the details. Okay, you're all staring at me strange. Like, <laughs> what, what does this mean? I mean, catch the spirit of the message. You know God uses people who are not right about everything? You know good people who have a genuine, fruitful relationship with God are off in some areas? You know there's a reason why not all good, ordained of God churches agree on everything? The scripture says it this way, we know in part and we prophesy in part. We see through a mirror dimly. There's going to come a time where we see clearly and we understand all things. But in the meantime, God uses people who are wrong about some stuff. That's not an invitation to be wrong or to be sloppy. It's not, it shouldn't be our goal to, to be off a little bit. We, I want to be as accurate, precise as possible. But I want to get the main thing. I want to make sure and hear what the Spirit is saying and, uh, and know, you know, that there's a possibility of getting too heady, too mental. You know, uh, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he said of making many books, there is no end. And study is wearisome to the flesh. When, when we are just pursuing human knowledge, it, there's no end to it. There's always something else to hear, always something else to read, always something else to learn. And, and don't get me wrong in this, I'm a learner. I want to hear and grow and, and learn. But when you hear something from God, when it is the word of the Lord, it must take priority. And sometimes those words from God are amazingly simple. Time, times when, when, I, when, I, when the Lord has helped me with things and when I've heard others testify, they had a question and the Lord gave them an answer. It's always interesting to me how the answer, when it's really God, is not hard to understand. It's not super complex. He answers a complex question with a simple statement. Like, oh, duh. And, and so we should learn to, to understand God that way. He's not trying to keep his kingdom in the mystery realm for us. He wants us to enjoy his best. And, you know, I've stated previously in this series that we should stay focused on what Jesus focused on. For example, the kingdom of God. All right? He preached it. He lived it. And uh, it is God's dominion in our hearts that is paramount. If we can say, I don't remember all these rules. <laughs> I don't remember all the details. I don't remember. All well, you can learn and study and grow and it's advisable. 
But at the same time, if God is ruling, if Jesus is Lord, if he is ruling in you, you're in a good place. And you can get anything else you need along the way. Our primary goal, again, then, is not just to acquire as much information as possible, but to know God, to walk with him, to, to have results, to produce results. Jesus would call it bearing fruit. He wants us to be fruitful in life. That doesn't come necessarily how people always think it comes. Jesus said this in John 15 and verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now watch. That is extremely simple and yet potent. What? You called me? What? This is your idea? What? You've given me an assignment? You've appointed me to what? That I would have results. That I would bear fruit. And it would be long-term, remaining fruit. What? Your, Your purpose for my life is described with this, that I am here to ask the Father for things so that he can give me whatever I ask in Jesus' name. That's pretty simple. I'm thinking we qualify. So you see, what? You pray and things change? It's in fact one of the primary reasons I'm here. God has a will. He has a plan. He has a design. He put me here and put his spirit in me, gave me his love. And actually, we think a lot alike. So he's entrusted me with getting his will done. I'm here to pray, and then I change things. I think too many of us have missed what great influence God has bestowed upon the church to change the world around us. And we're thinking... Well, if only God would. If I, only I could convince God to do the good things that I want him to do. He was doing good things before you ever showed up. The reason we're here is because we're supposed to bear fruit. Be productive. Have results. Ask him. And he, he moves continually. Again, stay with the language. See, that some are tempted. Well, what about, what about, stop it now. Let's stay, let's stay in, in, in kids' church here for a minute. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. If we don't complicate that, we have just been liberated to have amazing results. It is in our DNA to have success. We just need to keep it simple. God is results-oriented. Amen. Amen. This is why children often receive easily while adults have been educated out of faith. We know so much, so it hinders us. We've seen too many objections. We, we have stories of, of something not working for someone and we're battling all this information instead of just, he said this, okay, let's do that then. Everybody Okay. See, knowledge puffs up, Scripture says, but love edifies. Sometimes the more we learn, we just get full of ourselves. And we think, I'm something now. I'm I'm better because I can win the argument. 
instead of focusing on love. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, if you would, uh, chapter 4. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 4. Notice with me over here in verse 18. 418. It reads, uh, Paul writing here says, Now some are puffed up. What's that? That's pride. As though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. In other words, the Corinthians, you see, he, Paul wasn't there, and so some other people came in there, and they're speaking against Paul. They're putting him down. They're questioning his ministry. They're saying, he's not even coming. He's, he, he's this, he's that. And he said, listen, I'm coming. Lord willing, I'm coming. I'm going to be there. And when I get there, I'm going I'm to check on these people who are saying all this stuff and misguiding you, misleading you. Here's what I'm going to check. Not just what they're saying. I'm going to see if they have any power. That's an interesting way to deal with arguments. I'm going to check their power. He said, goes on to say, verse 20, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. That's a very interesting statement. You remember last week we read, The kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now we have a similar type statement. The kingdom of God is not word, but power. And the temptation for so many is to eliminate power and just make everything about words. And thus often arguments. And thus pride. And it's all about, I have a better argument than you have. And they would say things and say things. And Paul said, I'm not going to deal with this in the way that you think. I'm going to come and check out what, what the results are. Because if you want to argue with me, well, show me the goods, buddy. What kind of results are, are these guys with their big fat mouths, what kind of results are they producing? I know there was, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. There was a famous old time preacher. Uh, I might get it wrong, so I might, I'll just leave it out. But uh, so he was a great evangelist and winning many people to the Lord and others criticized his methods. They would speak against him and say, ah, he doesn't do it the right way. And his response was, he said, I like the way I do evangelism more than the way that you don't do it. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would like all his methods, but if he was doing it and the people who weren't were just griping about how he did it, I'm on the guy who's doing it team. I'm going to go with him because it's not just words, it's results. This is how the kingdom of God should be measured in our lives. Am I participating? Am I in agreement? It's about results. It's about manifestation. It's about lives change. It's about the power of God. Okay? So many people can have an arrogant argument, but they're not representing the kingdom of God. Notice the word again, the kingdom of God is in power. It is in power. What's the kingdom of God about? Power. Now, the Greek word there for power is dunamis, 
Okay? Dunamis would be, we would get the English word dynamite from that word. Dunamis is sometimes translated miracles. Okay? 1 Corinthians 12 has a, one of the gifts is called a working of miracles. That's the working of dunamis. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Power is the word dunamis. Okay? So the kingdom of God is about power, explosive power, miracle power. That's how we would define it. All right? And this is what he, he, he's bringing out. If we only had words, would we be satisfied? If our church was only strictly about words spoken, would that satisfy you? See, it wouldn't satisfy me. I wouldn't want to, if I can just say this, I mean, this is my church too. <laughs> I wouldn't want to come here if there, were, if there weren't any, if there wasn't any power demonstrations. Amen. Meaning if there weren't real live testimonies and not just once every five years either. But real life testimonies of lives changed, of bodies healed, of things that were evidently and obviously manifestations of God's presence that changed things that we have no human explanation for. If I went to it, if I came here long enough and, and there was none of that going on, I would think, what's going on here? This doesn't line up. This, this church is all about word. When Paul said, the kingdom of God is not in word, it's in power. You look at Jesus' ministry, he had both, didn't he? The word and the spirit. He constantly would speak and teach and preach and speak with authority. But then there was a manifestation of, of power continually. Jesus needed that to do his ministry. Paul did that. He had words and power. He spoke, he taught, he preached the word, and God would back him up, right? And, uh, and that, that was necessary in his ministry. He, had, he had that, needed that to be successful. I think it could be even arrogance for us to think, well, we don't need all those gifts of the Spirit and those manifestations of God's power because we are such good articulators of God's amazing wisdom. Yeah, maybe we're just heady. Maybe we're misrepresenting who God is. And sometimes, you know, we've been trained in this because it's, it's come to us theologically through seeds of questions that are sown into seminary. Uh, I was going to say cemetery. Well, it wasn't not on purpose. Uh, into seminaries for many years. Seeds of questioning all Bible miracles. And so many ministers come out in our country over many decades and they, they just have questions themselves. What is that going to produce in the body of Christ? No childlike faith. No simple, I ask the Father in Jesus' name and he does things for me. It's way too complicated. There's way too many things to discuss and it all removes the power. And sometimes it's through experience or lack thereof. I've been a Christian for 30 years and I've never seen a miracle. That's a problem. I've been a Christian for so long and I don't even know anyone who's truly been healed or had a, a miraculous provision in their life or been set free from addiction or something like that. Really? You need some new friends. <laughs> now, in part, listen, I say that, it's like, ew, I'm not really blaming you. I would blame people on my side of this yeah, for not 
accurately representing uh, the Scripture and the, the kingdom of God like it's supposed to be. It's not all supposed to be words. It's supposed to be power as well. After Jesus left, it says in Mark 16 and verse 20, and they went out and preached, the, preached everywhere the Lord working with them con and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. That was the way he set it up. That was normal. The word and the spirit. God's word goes forward and God confirms it with signs following. Now listen to that other verse again, 1 Corinthians 4.19, from this translation. The, the tailor reads this way. Paul said, I'll find out whether these proud men are just big talkers or whether they really have God's power. Not, I'm going to argue them into their place. Don't get me wrong in what I'm saying. There's a time for, for words. There's a time even to present your argument, if you will, a biblical argument, a theological argument. But Paul said, nah, I'm done with that. These arrogant people, speaking again, I'm going to come out and find out what powers they have, they, whether they really have the power of God. That's what, how we're going to determine who's right and wrong here. The, the, the Knox translation reads, and then I will test not the fine words of those who hold me in contempt, but the powers they can show. This, this kind of has the flavor of Elijah and the prophets of Baal in the Old Testament, where he said, set up the sacrifices, the God who answers by fire, he's the real God. Remember that story? And, and we know how that turned out. This kind of has that feel that Paul's going in there saying, we're going to see what kind of power you have. That's an interesting test that a lot of times people would be nervous about, like, ooh, I have to show power? Well, God's with you or he's not. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, we must have faith in the power of God. Even Paul wrote to Timothy and gave him a warning for the last days. He said, in the last days, perilous times are coming, and it's going to be the condition of a whole lot of people. And one of the things he mentioned was verse 5 of 2 Timothy 3, is that they would have a form of godliness, but deny its power. He said, from those people, turn away. From those people, turn away. They'll have a form. They'll look godly. They, they, they paint it on and they've learned how to act, but they lack the power of God. This is a missing component. I tell you, we need this to represent the kingdom of God well. We need this for our own survival. <laughs> we need this in these last days, the power of God. And I realize some will say, well, that's internal transformative power. I agree that it's that, but it's also more than that. Because when, when Paul was questioning these guys, it, he used the word miracle. He used the word dunamis to say, I want to see what dunamis they can show in their ministry. I want to see the results. A friend of mine, uh, Dave Edwards from Arizona, years ago used to, used to work as a painter. And uh, he worked large commercial painting projects, and, uh, and there was a guy who was with him, uh, who worked with him on one of the, on the crew there, and he was a Jehovah's Witness, okay? And, uh, and if you're in that, don't take this as a, a shot to you. We love you, but we don't, you can have different, different beliefs, right, and still love people. We love everybody. He would have arguments with him, 
and probably over a period of months, but you know, you work with someone, they would talk and they would talk and, and, uh, and discuss spiritual matters and eternity and salvation and God and, and all these matters, and, and they couldn't come to a place of, of agreement, and he couldn't, my friend Dave couldn't convince him uh, of salvation, of reality, of truth, and, and, and so one day, they were working in a particular part of a building, and, and I think, th these are my words, he was thinking, enough words now, we've talked long enough, let's pull out the guns, you know, <laughs> not literally the guns, but the, the power, the power. And, and so he says to his friend, he said, all right, here's what, here, here's what, what we'll do. How about, how about this? You pray for me, and I'll pray for you. We'll see what your God does, and then we'll see what my God does. That's a good challenge. Say, what happened? Well, they did that. Uh, Dave went first. He said, I'll go first. He volunteered to go first. And he said, in the Bible, they would lay hands on people, so I'm going to lay my hands on you. So he laid his hands on him, uh, just on the job there in this big building, laid his hands on him. And as soon as he did, the power of God went all over this guy. And he said, he started stumbling back. And he had an encounter with God right there on the job. It went beyond argument. It went beyond, well, this, 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 and we can fight about this all day long. He had an experience with God. He, they, they did the word route. <laughs> and we should do the word route, for sure. And then he had an experience with God's power. And he never did pray the other way. <laughs> he never got around to, well, let's see what my God will do. He, it was too late. He knew, your God is real. He had an experience with God right there, and there's no more arguments anymore. You know, I don't think that's how you win everybody to the Lord, but it's definitely how we win some. And this is of God. The, the, the manifestation of his power has always been used throughout human history to, for God to demonstrate his goodness, his love, his power, to show people who he is. And he does things like, uh, works through us, with healing and so forth because he loves them and he wants to help them. And we've got to be conduits of these things. Not thinking, I can't do that. Well, that's beyond me. I mean, God can do that if he wants, but I can't do that. Is that correct thinking though? Did Jesus ever do the things that he did and then afterwards say, now don't try this at home, kids. Did he ever follow it up and say, this is only me because I'm the son of God and you can't do these. In fact, not only did he not say that, he said the opposite. That's right. He would do things and then tell others to do them. In John 14, he said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these because I go to my father. So he didn't discourage it at all. He gave us a model, an example. He said, now you go do it too. And so if we've left anything out, it's the plain, it's the simple, it's the obvious. See, in our day, many have adopted this mentality when there are problems or things that they feel are out of their control, uh, they say, well, I'm just going to turn this situation over to the Lord. And that sounds like a good thing to say. It's like, that sounds humble. That sounds God-honoring. Just turn it over to the Lord. If we're talking about casting your cares on the Lord, I get that. That would be biblical. But for someone to say, my, you know, my kids are a mess. My kids are making wrong decisions. I've just decided to turn them over to the Lord. Well, 
what if he turned them over to you? What if he is speaking to you and you have his word and his spirit? And what if you can't really turn them over to him? Something to consider, right? If someone is really just in the hands of God and their future, their present, and everything about them is up to him, that's going to be obvious. Their life is going to look like heaven. Heaven is in his hands, in his control. Here, I tell you, things are in our control. Without going into that deeply, I did a series called In Control. Not too long ago. If you didn't hear that, you might consider getting that. Let's go to Matthew 16. Man, time is flying. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. You might know this, but let's know it more. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus said here, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If Jesus gave us the keys, who has them? (laughs) We do. If Jesus gave us the keys, who doesn't have them? See, that got a little quieter, because we don't want to say Jesus doesn't have something. He gave them to us. He doesn't have the keys. We have the keys. If I gave you my car keys, you have them and I don't. Now you can drive the car. I can't drive the car. You can go out to the car and sit in there and say, I don't understand why we're not going anywhere. I don't understand why Mark doesn't drive this car. Well, it's because I don't have the keys. You have the keys. I've given you the right the ability, the access to drive my car. I no longer have it. Say, has God really done that to the church? 100% he has done that to the church. He has turned so much over to us and now what happens is up to us. He's our guide, he's our, he's our, our wisdom, he's our, our, our helper in every area. We still have to drive the car. And I can't just, I'm turning it over to the Lord. He's not taking it back. Eventually, I believe he takes things back. But not, in, not, not here and not now. L- listen to this same verse from the CEV. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and God in heaven will allow whatever you allow on earth. But he will not allow anything that you don't allow. Why isn't God moving? Because you need to disallow some things. Why, why isn't God doing something? It, it's, it's, he's waiting for me to act and he can enforce what I decide. Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, in God's domain, which is what? God's domain is the kingdom of God. In God's domain, much of what happens is up to us. This is a serious kingdom principle that we need to get. Much of what happens is up to us in God's kingdom. How am I going to thrive in this kingdom if I think everything that happens is up to him? I'm missing one of the basic 
tenets of how this kingdom works. We take general orders from him. He told his disciples, you know, heal the sick, do these things. And then we implement them. And we have to fill in a lot of the space between the sentences as to actually how it takes place. Okay? He, He sent the 70 in his time on earth out to do ministry. And he gave them instructions, but not every detail of their encounter. He gave them general guidelines. Go here, do this, say this. Let me read this verse. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. He said, and as you go, preach. So that's the word. Preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know what the message is. I'm sure they had to say more than those, you know, four words. Kingdom of heaven is at hand. Six words. (laughs) They had to say, but that's the gist of their message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But he didn't say, and then come home as soon as you're done preaching that. No, he said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So he said, give them the message and show them power. Give them the word and then back it up with with signs. Back it up with the power of God. What if they responded and said, well, we can't. I mean, we can say that whole thing about the kingdom, but we can't do those other things. Well, that's what many people are saying today. Well, we can bring them at word. We can speak words, but we can't have any power. What if they would have said that? With the command of anything that God says comes the ability to carry it out. If he tells you to do anything, that commandment carries grace. God level ability to perform the task. I mean, wouldn't it be dumb to say, to give someone an assignment and don't give, you don't give them the ability, you don't give them the money, you don't give them the wherewithal to accomplish that assignment. And God is never doing that with us. Here's the mentality shift though. If we are in the kingdom, yielded to the king, we must believe that we can and that we possess word and spirit. That, that dunamis is residing on us to carry out his kingdom and not misrepresent God in this way where we only have arguments. Where we only have words. It is a combination. Again, the kingdom of God is in power. That is a forever all-time true statement. It was true then It's not untrue today. The kingdom of God is in power. Amen. Say it with me. Say, if God says I can, I can. can. If he is my king, king. I will act on what he says, says. fully expecting the results. results. Now watch. Let me finish. (laughs) Jesus came and he healed the sick he delivered the bound he, 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 he continually went about ministering freedom and deliverance and recovery to individuals and he did that in connection with his announcement that the kingdom of God was here 
it would be confusing or, or representing something that it's not if he just came along saying, the kingdom of God is here. And everyone said, okay. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. I mean, I think that's a good thing. I'm going to definitely get a bumper sticker. The kingdom of God is here. <laughs> and then everyone who followed him, they went around saying the kingdom of God is here. How, how convincing would that be? It's like, well, what is that? And what is it like? And what happens there? Well, what's so special? Now we just have a new label. We got a new logo. But everything else is the same. Life is the same. My problems are still the same. Oh, but good, the kingdom of God is here. It's like those who relegate the presence of the Holy Spirit to only inward comfort. They said, God won't remove, he won't help you, he won't solve problems, he won't deliver you out of them, he'll just be in them with you. I'm telling you that in there with you is a part of God's presence because he's always with us. He is also the deliverer out of. He is also wanting to change circumstances. And he does that through us. Through us recognizing. Man, here's another message. Romans 5. How we are supposed to reign in this life. He's prompt promoted us to royalty to rule and reign over things in this life. Not just he reigns, we reign. That's always been his design. He's not insecure. Don't you work a miracle without me. <laughs> Don't you help someone with, with... You know, one day the disciples came to Jesus and said, Hey, we found some people there doing miracles and stuff in your name. Or they were doing... How did he say that? Doing miracles in your name. They're not with us. They're not, even, they're not even hanging out with us. Jesus wasn't upset with them. He said, ah, go ahead and let them do it. He said, they're not going to do a miracle in my name and then speak evil of me afterwards. He let them, let them go ahead and do it. He wasn't seeking credit. It's like, are they on our partner list? You know? <laughs> no, no. They're doing it. God is not insecure. Praise God. I'm just saying, man, I'm using up all my time. You see how the series gets longer and longer? We could totally make it longer, but I already have my next message, so ooh, it's good. But, here, but, but, but listen, this is, what I'm describing, is normal activity in the kingdom of God. If we think differently, this is time for us to have a mental shift and say, oh, this is what he meant when you're in the kingdom. The kingdom's within you. kingdom is here. Oh, I see. Kingdom activities are like this. And that's supposed to be normal in our lives. Exactly. And I've given you the keys. So drive this thing. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, he's good. He's doing good things in our midst. Amen.